Amen. You know, sometimes... There's times when you just got to yell that out. You need to let the enemy know who you belong to. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> mm. Tonight, I, I forecasted to the people on Tuesday night, I believe that the, the message the Lord has downloaded into my spirit last week's, this week's, and next week's, I believe that they are crucial to where we're going and what God wants to do in this hour. Um, Last week it was hard for me to even get through the service without just almost crying the entire time. I hope tonight that I can do justice to His Word. That the Holy Spirit would take my inadequacies and fulfill what He wants to say to us tonight. This message tonight is where I live. But I want more. Those of you tonight, I believe you're, you're not here by accident tonight, that God has something very special. He's taking us to a different place. He's calling you, even tonight, into a different place. Can I be full and yet hungry? Can I have obtained, yet be ever searching? Can I have grasped, yet be ever reaching? A.W. Tozier in his book, Pursuit of God, he says, to have found God and still to pursue Him. That's what God is calling us to tonight. Theologically, it has to start right here. I'm going to give you a a quick theological lesson to go along with this message tonight. Prevented Grace would say this, that you cannot go to the Lord without His drawing you first. Before we ever can think a right thought about God, He would have had to work in our lives to enlighten us so that we could ever even be able to think that thought. All credit for the act of coming to Him originates with God. His Holy Spirit has summoned us to this place. He has searched me out. I would not have looked or even properly thought about Him without His influence in my life. Two things that that corroborate this is by nature he has embedded in my flesh the idea to look for him. Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. This is the physical aspect for our bodies, the physical flesh part of us that He has has given us to say, come to me. The second part is that He has deposited in my spirit a craving to look. See, Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. 1 Corinthians 2.10 says, For to us God has revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. I did not come to Him by my own volition or my own intellect. He has enabled me to come. It's not on our own. John 6.44 says, No one can come to me unless the Father who has sent me draws them. And I will raise them up on the last day. So I go back to what A.W. Tozer says. To have found God and to still pursue Him. It seems as though it's a paradox. It seems as though they're fighting one another. 
But they truly aren't. The impulse to pursue Him originates with Him. Before we can speak or even desire, He puts the urge in us. Let me say this tonight. Hunger is good. See, I must lay down my rights, my dignity to come after Him, to pursue Him. Hunger is a sign of spiritual growth. Sorry, I'm one, one, one step behind you guys there. Connie, you're supposed to help me out with that. Yes, she is. Hunger is a sign of spiritual growth. See, what do I mean by that? If you have a little baby, and they're hungry, you know they're healthy. If you have a little baby calf, and they constantly are wanting to feed, you know that they're okay. There's two things you look for, whether they eat and whether they'll poop. That's the two things we look for. Because they can't tell us what's going on. But they tell us what's going on in their lives by the fact that they hunger. It's no different for us. Where you find hungry people for God, you will find spiritually healthy people. Where you find people that are not hungry, you find a dead, stagnant, religious church. Hunger says, I am in need. It's a sign of humility. Hunger causes us to depend. This goes against our very nature, which says, I can do this on my own. I want to do it my way. In the physical, if you eat, you're not hungry. But in the spiritual, the more you eat, the hungrier you get. See, you can be spiritually full, yet hunger. It's a gift from God. John Piper says this, do you have a hunger for Him? If we don't feel a strong desire for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because we have nibbled so long at the table of the world, our soul is stuffed with small things, and there is no room for the great. If we are full of what the world offers, then perhaps a fast might express or even increase our soul's appetite for God. It's not because of God. There is an appetite for God that can be awakened. I invite you this, this evening from the dulling effects of food and the dangers of idolatry to do this, to fast before Him if you're not hungry. Fast for Him and say, this much, O oh God, I want you. How much do you want Him? How bad do you desire Him? To what lengths will you go to have Him? What will you give up to be His? See, it's, it's really like a, a homesickness for God. Where we long to be with Him. You long to be at His feet. You're homesick for His presence. Homesick for the true home that He has called us to. See, when I was a kid, I didn't like to leave home. I'd cry. I was a... I know you guys said, not him. Some of you are going, yeah, I can believe it. He's a big baby. Homesick for Him. Where He is your every desire. See, the problem is we've been taught that our acceptance of Christ, which isn't even in the Bible, and asking Him into our hearts ends it all. When this really just opens the door 
It's the beginning. We have been led to believe that seekers are those who are looking for Christ when seeking is what we should be doing after we have found Christ. See, we, we have seeker services to invite those who are on the outside wondering what it looks like when our seeker services should really be about those who have come in to the kingdom and now are seeking God. This initial encounter should just whet my appetite for Him. Not the end, but the inception. Now begins the glorious pursuit, the extravagant exploration, the relentless reaching for eternity. Deep calling to deep. See, when we've been taught to simply receive, yet there is no hunger and thirst after God. We are encouraged to settle for the little. We will truly know Him after one encounter, we think. But it's through that cultivation, communication, and continual contact that I discover who He is face to face. See, men of the past mourned, cried out, wrestled, prayed, sought, and craved God. So that we could say this in John 17.3. Now this is eternal life. That they may know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. See God was giving us through Jesus. He was giving us the answer saying listen. If you truly want to know me. It's, going to be, it's not going to be just this one initial contact. It's going to be this lifetime of coming after me. See, when He becomes my concentration, my meditation, my fascination, my obsession, then all satisfaction and pleasure and delight I find in knowing Him. And knowing Him cannot be an academic exercise. Do you know how many Bible studies I went to this week? It really doesn't matter. Because if I didn't spend my time with Him in the secret place, it really was just another academic exercise. This isn't something that's taught, it's caught. It's not something that's bought, it's something that's sought. And eventually, it's wrought in us. Jeremiah 2.13 says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. See, we have substituted everything good, feeding the homeless, care for the elderly, Bible studies, religious services, yet we're empty. See, we have drank from wells that we have dug and we've neglected the spring of living water. Good things, can, good things cannot substitute the true living water. Secondly, you cannot feed on someone else's hunger. I cannot survive on Connie's hunger. I must have it. You cannot feed on hunger from yesterday. It may be there to remind you, to bring you glimpses of what it looked like, but that hunger has got to still be here today. You can't talk about what happened 40 years ago. You have to talk about what God did today. I may look at the past and remember, and it may inspire me for my future, but I must have for myself right now a constant, continual, and consistent pursuing of Him. Bill Johnson said it like this, hunger will cause you to live outside the place that is safe. See, David could have accomplished anything he wanted in himself. He was rich, powerful, yet he remained in a place of full dependence on God. He knew that true abundance is found in being hungry. Luke 
153. This is Mary speaking, and she spoke prophetically, and I don't even know that she understood exactly what she was saying at the time. She says here, He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. See, hunger will grow you. Hunger will show you who you are in Him. Many people have done the very two things that Jeremiah talks about. We've dug our own wells, our own religious experience, and we try to continue drinking there. But they go dry. To the hungry, Psalms 107 says this, verse 35 and 36, He turned the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into flowing springs that He brought the hungry to live and they found a city where they could settle. The King James Version, I, said, I, like, I like the way it says it. It says, And there he maketh the hungry to dwell, that they may prepare a city for habitation. Did you know this? If you're hungry, God's going to give you a city. Isn't that what we've been talking about over Springville? Here's the scripture for it. Bill Johnson pointed this out to me this week. See, when we're truly hungry, God says, Listen, I will give you a place to dwell. The truly hungry. See, our goal, our prayers, our mission is to make a place for Him to come. Hungry, being hungry is a place where that starts. That is why I camp here. That is why I remain here. That is why I can't let go of seeking, pressing, and staying hungry. The hungry establish a city. Kingdom values will impact my city as I'm hungry. I will be impacted by God as I'm hungry. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, is what he's telling us here. When Jesus said to seek me in my kingdom, when he was saying this, he was in tank, talking about a one-time deal. He says, but seek ye first, in Matthew 6.33, but seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew 7.7 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. The Greek word is a zeho. And it means properly this, to investigate, to reach a binding resolution, to search, to getting to the bottom of a matter. But the real part I want you guys to see about this word is this. In, in these words here, he's saying both of these scriptures where he says seek. It is the present tense, active voice, and imperative mood. What is he telling us? Christ is exhorting us to actively and continually seek His kingdom. Seek and continue to seek is what He's telling us. When He tells us to ask, seek, and knock, He's giving us three different senses of it. He's telling us to use our mouths, to use our minds, to use our hearts, and for them to all culminate together. He's talking about like David did, as he used every part of his being. Jeremiah 29.13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Psalms 27.8 says, When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, O Lord, I shall seek. I want you to imagine, in the first century, the temple of the Lord. The priests would go in there every day and would rock. And they would cry out, Send the Messiah. Send the Messiah. Send the Deliverer. The one who's going to come and free us from the Roman rule. And as they were doing this, 
A ruckus was heard outside. There was a commotion going on. And they asked, what, the priest asked, what is going on? There's 13 men outside. They're raising all kinds of commotion. One of them says, he is the Messiah. Quiet them down. Let me go back to praying. See, right before them was the answer. A.W. Tozer says this, Christ is rarely found among us. Instead, our programs, methods, and organizations. He said this in 1948. And a world of nervous activity that occupy time and attention but never satisfy the longing of the heart. We are called to be different. Revelations 5.10 and 1 Peter 2 and 9 says this, You have been made to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God and they will reign on earth. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Remember in the Old Testament when the land was divided between the tribes, the twelve tribes? See, we get this picture of this allotment that was going to be, that each tribe was going to get. That was going to be their possession. But in Numbers chapter 18, verse 20, the Lord said to Aaron, you have no inheritance in the land, the priests he's talking to, nor will you have any share among them. I am your share and your inheritance among the Israelites. See, he is supposed to be our portion. He is supposed to be our share. He says, you say, well, what have you given me? He says, I've given you myself. We don't say this with our lips, but, but in our hearts I think we say this. I want something I can possess. I don't want that. I want something I can see. I want something I can taste. Psalm 16.5 16, 5 says, Lord, you are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. I'm reminded of the churches in the book of Revelation in chapter 3. You have the Laodicean church, the Sardis church, and the Ephesus church. All three of them, one was lukewarm, one was needed to wake up, and the other one had lost their first love. What's, this, what's the answer for all those churches? To seek and keep seeking. To not just think it's all done for us. See, Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I'm telling you, I said it last week, that the only way that we're going to be able to make it through the coming storm of the last days is if we have spent time in the secret place. It is not going to come about as just coming to church. It's not going to come about by just us just casually reading our Bible. It's going to come about as we have found God, as we have chased after God, as we have continued to seek Him. That is the only way that we're going to be able to make it through these last days. Those who truly have Christ are constantly seeking. Everything they have is in Him. Treasures may be denied of them, but they will scarcely feel a loss because they already have the source of all things. Whatever they may lose, He knows that they have lost nothing because what they have gained is everything. Paul Walser, go ahead and turn off the lights for me, Bo. But I'll tell you this, and I mean no disrespect, 
But it's a lot easier to learn principles than it is to tarry with the Christ. I know so many little preacher boys, and some of them are 70 years old, that their whole life is nothing but little doctrines and principles. But they have never tarried before the Lord. They have spent no closet time. Their knees are not bare. They know nothing of going out into the woods for seven, eight days and screaming at the gates of heaven. They'd honor the pilgrims and the Puritans all day long, but they know nothing. They know nothing of their zeal and nothing of their passion. It is so easy to learn principles about holiness. It is so easy to learn attributes of God as they're set forth in statements. But how many men are so sick and tired of not being in the presence of God that they are willing to depart from absolutely everything. And if it means running like a wild man through the woods for a week, throwing rocks at heaven, they will not rest until the presence of God is real in their life. Tonight, that's what I'm calling us to. I know it's not the popular message, but I'm telling you tonight that everything you desire, everything that you're looking for, where you want to go, this is the secret. It's found in Him. It's found in chasing after Him. It's found in seeking after Him. It will not be found in anything else. Programs, methods, church, religious. It's only going to be found in going deeper than you've ever been with Him. I can't do that for you. But tonight, I tell you this. Those of you, I know tonight, without a shadow of a doubt, that God is calling some of you, men and women, tonight, to get hungrier for Him. He's calling you tonight to a different place than you've ever been before. He's not calling you to a new religious experience. He's calling you to just hunger and thirst after Him. Let's all stand.